0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, usually, in fact, I don't believe ever have we done one of these before. But uh, I, we are sticking this at the top of the episode to let you know that we are dealing with some fairly heavy themes in today's shows, uh, including uh, a lot of talk about depression and suicide, uh, including you know, kind of long talk about suicide here. So, uh, yeah, uh, if that if that is not something that you want to listen to, I would not listen to this episode. Um, yeah, and we will see you next episode then. Hey, y'all. Uh, Brace here. Fuck. Wait, let me do an even lamer voice. Hey, y'all. Yeah, not Br- possible. <laughs> hey, hey y'all. Brace here. Uh, super excited to bring you a little update on the podcast. Uh, we've actually, uh, the three of us have signed a deal with Saddle Creek Records. Uh, <laughs> don't worry. We're totally remaining independently, uh, creative, and controlled by ourselves. We are making a few changes, though. Uh, the first of which is we will be changing the podcast name to uh behind the veil and um also liz is contractually obligated to be screamo now now that's fairly open-ended but she does you can't see this but she does have a rather angular bangs at this point
1: you know i did there was like a moment where i had an asymmetrical haircut is that true yeah, but it was really cute. It wasn't like crazy angular like like lightning. Yeah. It wasn't like yeah 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 style. Yeah. Yeah, oh my god, yeah, this yeah. is like really gonna bring me back. It was like you where it was it was still long, but then one side was just like shorter than the other, but it looked purposeful.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, it was you a big be able to hit furnished me East with a village. photograph.
1: Um good question. I'd have to dig into the archives.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, that's if you were Electroclash, like, I
1: think we should be honest with our friends. I was not. No, ele- no, 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 You're no, describing no, no, no. Electroclash. Mm, no, I'm saying it wasn't Electroclash. You're not listening. Uh-huh. You I'm not listening, listening. listening to you. You didn't. So, no, you're talking. You're not listening. Dude, this is bullshit. For a second, please. Uh-huh. What I said was it was not angular. It was not lightning style. Yeah. Crazy Electroclash. It wasn't. It was soft. It was feminine. It was cool. Yeah. I stand by it.
0: I think uh, – listen, if I – well, excuse me. Let me rephrase that. When I uh, have some measure of control over these sort of things, whether it's the head of a regime or the regime's secret police or simply mm. just an advisor to some kind mm. of regime, uh, women are going to be allowed to have one haircut, which is the beautiful Chelsea. Remember
1: when I had a bowl cut?
0: Yes. You, were, you looked fantastic with the bowl cut. Thank no, you. Uh, pause. But yeah, you like, yeah, that was, I think bowl cut was your best haircut.
1: (laughs) I don't think it was the best haircut, but it was a moment.
0: Yeah. Do you remember when I had a bowl cut? (laughs) I fared less well with haircuts when I was 13. I, uh, or excuse me, when I was 12, I asked my friend to dye my hair leopard printed because I had seen a casualties record cover, not realizing that you had to have a buzz cut for that. And so I just had frosted tips for the entirety of eighth grade. Because my dad wouldn't let me get my hair cut or changed because he said I had to live with my mistakes.
1: Well, prosthetics tips are back, so you should go back to that.
0: No, the real trick is you just gotta walk into any given barbershop, plop down a photo of motherfucking Connor Oberst, and say, Give me this haircut. I wanna get some pussy.
1: Do you know, Brace? And I think this is still happening, but I'm actually not caught up on my indie rock gossip because I'm a grown woman and I don't know anything about this shit anymore. Uh Uh-huh. Do you know who's dating Connor Oberst? No. How
0: on earth? And why, how would I ever and know Trump's that? And Chomsky,
1: are you smiling because you know? Do you know? Yeah, he know. My men know. Who? Phoebe Bridgers. I have emotion, emotion
0: fucking kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it! God fucking damn
1: it! I'm going to pull it. All right, are down.
0: He's like, he's 7,000 years old. He's not that old. Yes, he is. I'm looking at right now. It says he's some kind of lich and he's been actually (laughs) active. He's lived. He lived in a pyramid for thousands of years. Oh my
1: God. Connor
0: Oberst is dating Phoebe. Mm. What the
1: fuck? Phoebs. Explain I think that, this, yeah. Then. I think that there was like something weird too where she was like, Oh, I used to always like him when I was a kid, and now I'm dating him. It's like, Oh,
0: that's cool, cool. Great. So sometimes people are like, No, I'm not dating the guy from Bright Eyes. Actually, that's totally cool. You can come. Um, oh my actually, god, you can actually feature on my record and write some of the songs for me. And then, even though you've never heard any of my songs, and then
1: that's what Phoebe Bridgers looks like, huh?
0: Yeah, yeah. I was surprised too. Actually, Never, it makes sense. This is to the me.
1: first time I've seen a photo of her.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, yeah. It's um, a lot of people have called me the male Phoebe Bridgers of <laughs> podcasting.
1: Hello, everyone. Hi. Uh, that's name, Brace.
0: I'm No, I'm Dark Angel Gregarious.
1: <laughs> that's Brace. I'm Liz. We are, of course, joined by our producer Young Chomsky. Mm-hmm. This is Trunan. Hello.
0: Hello. Uh, we are doing a. This is okay. There's gonna be a few peaks behind the old fucking curtain on this mm. episode. Uh the first of which is Spilling that Spilling
1: the Beans. <laughs> remember, remember I'm sorry, peak behind the curtains is such a more like graceful way of saying spill the beans, but fine, I like that it's I'll kind say, of the same I'm thing.
0: I'm letting people see the inside of my pussy. <laughs> um, Jesus. It's, uh, it, it, the this episode You remember you remember when I like kinda like had a like a mental breakdown <laughs> when we did the nft thing like I, why are
1: you using quotation marks
0: because it's like i didn't like go to the hospital or anything but like oh I had okay like i a, see you know like i mm. i i had a i had a, I, 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 had I, a rough I had a, go of it a rough go of it um <laughs> he had a rough go i had a rough go of the old uh the old nfts well couldn't
1: quite wrangle the Technology,
0: no. Well, actually, well, I know, no, true. I don't know if I ever said this in the podcast, but I actually ended up selling the NFT, but then I couldn't figure out how to get the money. And then I forgot, like, and then it expired because I also felt too bad,
1: yeah. For, for, for no one should it. But buy that, it did
0: sell, yeah. And so, I whoever if bought, you it, bought
1: that, you should like not do that. You well, should feel I report bad.
0: everybody I do cri- with cryptocurrency transactions with mm. the FBI, so they probably, yeah, you keep prison. it in
1: your little handwritten ledger 100%.
0: Yeah, here's a little true non tip.
1: Always keep a ledger.
0: Oh, always. And handwritten, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's important. In a big old book. Yeah. Well, uh, I lost uh, my shit during that episode, I think it's Mm. fair to say. And uh, I think, you know, it's funny. We were like, we'll do this episode. This will be, you know, it's like, you know, it'll take some research, but it's not going to be like end of the world kind of thing. Mm. Lost my shit again.
1: Yeah, you got deep into the heart of darkness here.
0: Yeah, yeah. And by that,
1: I I mean you finally fully experienced the genre of indie rock.
0: Yeah. A uh, little background here. Liz and I are not indie rockers.
1: Okay. No. Well, uh-huh. no, we're not. That's very true. However, yeah. I do have a little bit of a background in indie rock. I dabbled, like I said.
0: Uh-huh. Well, yeah. For many you, years. You did, you did dabble. Uh, You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We're not talking about that. Okay. We're not talking about that. Uh, Young Chomsky is an indie rocker. Uh, and and a proud one at that, but mm. i i i myself i he is a proud boy mm hmm he is John <laughs> Chomsky is definitely he's a proud boy and uh <laughs> and speaking for me this is for some reason why I'm the one who chose to do this episode like I, I i insisted that we did this episode yeah. uh not over any protestations or anything but it, it it I had actually never heard the subject of the episode on purpose, yeah um, and wasn't familiar with, with really much of it. I, I, my favorite band is, um, I lo- I like thin Lizzy a lot.
1: Yeah. Because and it has my name in it. And yes. it reminds you of me. Because yeah. Cause it's that. thin. Yeah. Yeah. And Lizzy.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. Although you literally have gotten angry at me when I've called you that. So.
1: Well, that's okay. because I haven't bestowed upon you Lizzy privileges.
0: Yes. Well, I like, so I like thin Lizzy and, uh, the band discharge. Mm. Um, and that's, Kind of, and of course pentangle, and so this uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a trifecta there.
1: No, glob? that's every genre
0: of rock <laughs> represented. Um, so I was, I, I kind of went into this being like, you know, whatever, we'll see how it happens. Um, and it, uh, it, it, uh, it affected me greatly. Um, yeah. I have been losing my mind. So I think we should be, uh, I think we should probably at this point, if people haven't figured it out, tell them what we're doing an episode about. We're doing an episode. I don't think ab- we should. Okay. Uh, fine with me. So when I was born, 1989, <laughs> the peak of rock and roll,
1: mm. uh,
0: you had Dawkins. Good
1: vintage for rock and roll.
0: Yeah. Rat. Uh, all right. No, we're doing an episode about Elliot Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the and suicide is, is suicide. It's suicide, it's uh, suicide, it's suicide. The death of Elliot Smith, we're doing an episode about. And I feel like, you know, a little bit about Elliot Smith's career, too. You know, I feel I feel like that would be, um,
1: well, yeah, we got a ton of here's the thing we've got a whole contingent of Zoomers that have mm. absolutely no idea what we're talking about. We yeah. got Zoomers, we got talkers that, that we got the tickers and the talkers, TikTokers, two different groups, and the Zoomers. And they're going to have absolutely no clue because they don't even know what music is.
0: No, they're like, uh, excuse me, music. Uh, what freaking uh, Fortnite character is that? Yeah. Is what 12 year olds say to me when I ask them, like from 500 feet away, what kind of music they like. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, so you had ever never actually listened to Elliot Smith no. before this. I'm the king I will of punk. say I did a little bit when I was, a ki- I mean, I guess a kid, yeah, ish teenager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got kind of into Elliot Smith. I tried to get into Elliot Smith because I was into other kind of like uh, emo, early emo indie rock stuff like Sunny Day Real Estate, Mineral, and those kind of bands. And so I tried to get really into Elliot Smith. I remember when he died and it being a really big deal at my college because – It was a huge deal and everyone was like totally shocked. And we had this like internal Napster kind of (laughs) server, but it was like one guy in some dorm running it. And he turned all the music to just the only thing you could download that day or that week or something was all Elliot Smith, like only Elliot Smith songs. Wow. Which was like very lame, but kind of funny in retrospect or sweet. Anyway, that's, but I really don't remember the music very well at all other than, the Nina Na Hey, that song? Yeah. Um, I'm not really into it. Neither of us are into it. We'll just no. say. No, no. But I mean,
0: that doesn't make it. And, and I, listen, I tried. I, I, I can be a bit of a prick when it comes to music. And so, I mean, mm. not like, like, for instance. Really? <laughs> don't really hate the band The Fucking Talking Heads. Uh, which everyone name. gets mad at you for, even when you say the reason you don't like them is because they're a funky and goofy, which is literally the two most applicable words to the talking heads. Well, gets but funky and goofy that.
1: are cool, so... No, rock and roll I'm be, funky and goofy. No,
0: no, no. Rock and roll is about being cool.
1: Hmm. Well, uh, yeah, they're not rock and rollers. That's
0: why. That's, and that's my problem, so... Well, there's other uh, music. Yeah, so anyways... Uh, Pop music. So getting into Elliot Smith, kind of my um, my view of Elliot Smith prior to this was that he was a really sad guy who put out some really sad records and then killed himself. Um which, you know, I think actually is a pretty, you know, fair but kind of back yeah, of the of napkin the math notes. there. Yeah yeah, kind of, yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's the end of the episode. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, but recently I was tipped off by an exotic dancer that there is a large, uh, large contingent of the Elliot Smith fan base and people who maybe aren't even in the fan base, uh, that not only don't believe that, but believe that, uh, he was, he was murdered, uh, and sort of that piqued my interest. I looked into it a lot, but when, that will be sort of the later part of the episode. I think now to give people a little background on who Elliot Smith is, uh, And this this stuff is important when we're talking about his death too. So this isn't just background for the sake of background. I know you guys can all just like look up Wikipedia and then read the top part without reading. But you
1: won't get this stuff because it's not from Wikipedia. Bam.
0: Uh, Elliot Smith. And then in the brackets, one was born on, (laughs) no, I'm just
1: kidding.
0: Uh, (laughs) Elliot Smith, uh, was originally born And this. This does sound like Wikipedia stuff, but he was born with the name of Steve, which I think is important to note. Changed it to Elliot after high school. Um, to of parents who divorced pretty quickly after he was born, his mother moved to Dallas, Texas, uh, and his father lived in Portland. Actually, I'm not really sure on the actual who moved where, but anyways, he was raised in Dallas, Texas, uh, by his mother and a stepfather named Charlie Welch. Uh, Smith, Smith claims that basically the day, the beatings from Welch, his stepfather started the day that his mother married him. Um, that was when he was three years old on their wedding day. Uh, he was beaten for the first time by him and continued, uh, basically until he moved around age 14. Um, that was sort of really the narrative of, uh, Elliot's early life until later he, uh, and, and this is pretty important to take into account, especially when he started talking about these things, sort of within the years leading up to his death, and especially, I believe, within the pr- year prior to his death, he started talking about how his stepfather had molested him. Um, and uh, and these were repressed memories. It's funny, if you read about it uh, now, It's uh, Liz and I were talking about this earlier, it's all like, I mean, obviously it's all legend. None of this is proven in court, but there's very fuzzy language around it. Um, because you know there is some serious controversy over what uh, what what repressed memories and the the veracity of them is.
1: Yeah, well, it recently came out that the doctor. Um, I don't have it in front of me, so I might get the details on this wrong. So don't quote me on it, which is bad. Which is bad to you're say when you're saying that a microphone, recording audio. <laughs> um, but the doctor who really like. Uh, pushed the repressed memory kind of theory, um, particularly about, I mean, specifically about child abuse. Uh, It turned out to be himself a child abuser. Yes. Um, And so I think that really throws into question um, exactly what was going on there with what he was Uh, proposing also, I mean, and yeah, I mean that kind of, that, that theory of the way that, um, you know, memory of abuse works or that, you know, that children would be um, kind of like repressing certain memories and then kind of mistakenly remembering them as abuse when that abuse didn't actually occur. That was kind of his main thesis Um, that has been thrown into question by Many, many different schools of thought and different doctors, like even prior to the revelations about, you know, yeah, yeah, doctors own abuse. I
0: I I looked it up real quick, and yeah, it was the 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 founder and president of the one of the founder and presidents, along with his wife, of the False Memory Yeah False uh, Memory False Memory Syndrome Foundation. So their whole foundation was dedicated to putting out studies, etc., and papers about how false memory is like, you know, it's a very important thing. You know, obviously, memory is a a malleable thing. But Mm. uh, clearly, he had some uh, ulterior motives there. But uh, I mean, there's no reason really to disbelieve uh, Smith here at all. You know, I'm going to take it at face value and say at least something bad really. I, I mean, it's very clear that something very fucked up happened between him and his stepfather. Um, you know, obviously I don't know what that is exactly because there's not really a lot of bare details that I've read, but you know, it, it, it clearly affected him really bad. He, uh, you know, he gets a guitar as a gift from his dad. I think he was like 10 years old, uh, and eventually moves to Portland to live with his dad when he's 14. And I, and I understand that that was actually a, a pretty big source of guilt for him, um, After that, I know he told, I believe Rolling Stone in an interview that uh, a lot of his songs were sort of inspired by that move. And 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 I I think I can maybe understand where that's coming from because uh, you know leaving an abusive household, um, I think it might feel even if you have to do it, which you know generally if you are an abusive household you should leave. um, There is that guilt of leaving other people. I mean, he had he had a couple half brother and sister and uh, and. You know, and and having that guilt uh, of leaving that behind you, I think could be could be pretty strong for people. Um, he also started playing in punk bands under the name Johnny Panic, and that actually leads me to ask you, Liz Did you ever have a punk name?
1: I never had a punk name. No, Johnny Panic legit sounds like an Electroclash DJ. I'm not gonna lie. I will say, yeah. Well, no, I, yes,
0: yes, it really does. Okay. No, because yeah.
1: there's like, there's like specifically there was like some guy in SF too that like maybe had that name or something like.
0: Yeah. Well, it could have been Elliot performing <laughs> under an Electroclash persona. It was
1: not. No. no um.
0: Definitely not. I I went by uh President Chaos. Oh my god in the uh in, in war crime and uh, I made our drummer
1: You uh, elected yourself president.
0: Yeah uh-huh. that is the ultimate John chaos Bon Jovi move.
1: move of naming your, your band Bon Jovi. Yeah.
0: Well I we I realized that on the actual album sleeve or like on the insert or the, uh that we needed cool names. And so uh so I was president chaos and all I can remember is I can't remember what Max or Sean's was, or, or or Pat's word, but I I know our drummer. I forced him to call himself Adolf Edge because he was straight edge. Like the would, edge? Oh no, Edge. He was straight edge, even though he and I also we used to make him put X's on his hands and wear hockey jerseys, even though he like didn't want to do that. I mean, he was straight edge, but oh, yes. he just wasn't a guy that put X's on his hands. But mm. we just like we're like you have to do like if you're going to be straight edge, you have to have X's on your hands. It would and, be uh, so
1: funny if it was just because you were really into U2. Yeah.
0: yeah yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, he starts playing in a bunch of bands, uh, you know, goes off to college, um, moves back to Portland, and starts a band called Heat Miser, which I have read described as hardcore punk. So I decided to take a listen. And that is a um, talk about false memories because that is not true. They no? sound to me like every band in the nineteen nineties sounds. Oh, okay. Um it is Indie it Rock. Is, it's like a, it's basically like, you know, proto Indie Rock, a little grungy. I don't know. It's mm. not hardcore. Yeah. Um and uh, you know, around this time he starts recording some solo stuff too. And that solo stuff actually really blows up. Um, you know, Heat Miser signed to Virgin Records, which is a record label that Liz started. Um
1: Yeah, I'm a fucking billionaire.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, but <laughs> is that even? Yeah, you're also a, a, fuck. Now I sound like an asshole. Um, and uh, you know this is the '90s, right, baby? I mean, this is like if you were in a band in the Pacific Northwest who was a little bit uh, like a little dirty and a little bit raw, you were about to get signed for a bunch of fucking money.
1: Oh yeah, big moment, big moment for that kind of type. Yeah, and. I want to put a little flag
0: down in the sand here. I hate grunge music.
1: Mm. I don't when like you it. say that, what are you thinking of?
0: I'm thinking of I'm thinking of all the big guys. Uh, you know, I'm thinking of Nirvana, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, but I'm also talking Melvins. Uh, mm,
1: interesting.
0: And I would take Nirvana music. out
1: of that group personally, because I think of Nirvana as pop music. I, elevate I, I, I it to actually pop do music. too. Yeah. 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 No, no, Which is the, that is the, the, the like Liz Franzack seal of approval. If I say that you're a good pop song, good pop song artist, music writer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You've transcended the genre. You are now just pop music. Cause I'm a pop. not frantic. a rockist.
0: So. Yeah, of course. I'm a, well, God, remember that debate? Yes. Jesus Christ.
1: I really, Good really remember. Whoever invented well, the term "rockist"
0: should be in prison.
1: That was the big uh, Fisher Reynolds thing too. Remember? Yeah. Simon yeah. Reynolds and all that. Yeah. Anyway. Well, uh, I, I, British
0: people I lost their right to talk about music post-1984. Everything has come out of
1: this. But... Except for Blur. That's the only other thing they can talk about. Basically, Britpop. yeah. They basically, invented yeah. Britpop to get themselves back in the conversation. Yes,
0: they really did. Because I'm like, sorry, you don't just get to make house music for like 30 years and Brit- pretend you can talk about rock and roll.
1: Britpop is one of those things where it's like, it's a genre of two bands.
0: Yeah. It's yeah, Blur it really
1: is. and Pulp. That's it. That's it. That's and oasis it. doesn't count. I'm sorry. So that's not count.
0: Doesn't count. And then there's all those other like the what? What was that one guy? That like, and you
1: know what's the other genre? That's that. What trip hop? What the fuck is that? That's just people, one band. That's just one band.
0: Band. Well, I don't know. I, I honestly. Massive I don't know.
1: Attack also British. This is what the British do. Wasn't I just a, discovered that's something. the
0: Banksy guy, right? That's the people who think Banksy is the Massive Attack guy. I think. Well, anyways, yeah. Regardless, if I he think is he Banksy, is. double life sentence. Yeah. Um, but, We've uh, have had but enough
1: of so, your pranks. Anyways, what el- about Portishead?
0: Oh, Portishead. Head, yeah. They did, uh, they, There's had that a, one yeah. song
1: that the girls like.
0: Yeah. I know. Yeah, you're right about Portishead, actually. Mm. Um, Damn
1: it. Well, okay, that's fine. That's two. Whatever. It's still an invention. It's fakeo, Faco Blamo. fakeo.
0: Elliot Smith's solo records are very well received, which causes a little bit of friction within the old Heat Miser. Um, the guys seem like they are probably, understandably, you know what, I'll tell you, you're in a band with some guys, the guy immediately starts making solo records, you're like, come on, brother, you know, like, save the good songs yeah. for us. It's, yeah. Well,
1: you also kind of know what he's trying to do.
0: Yeah. He's yeah, trying to get yeah, out of yeah. there exactly or you know maybe it wants a different sound but it's like no just play those sounds songs with electric guitar sorry you're you're you're
1: yeah. in prison spread the love why are you in a um, band let's go b-
0: but of course his his shit gets really big i think he puts out his first record i believe on kill rock stars Ooh. which is a label i own zero records from um which one
1: is that is that the that's is that the you're thinking um, of k records
0: i know you're thinking of k records i am
1: i'm yeah, one thousand
0: percent was thinking of k records you're, uh, absolutely thinking of k records <laughs> That was cute. Yeah, I knew it. I knew it. I could see it forming in your brain. Yeah. Um, All right, let's move on. Uh anyways, his shit actually blows the fuck up. Mm. Um we're not I'm not going to go too into his career here because you either like Elliot Smith or and you're like these guys are fucking assholes how come they're not talking about his career fucking I'm just trying to read Young Chopsky's mind right now. Um, You know, like, well, how come you're not know, talking about which album is good, blah, blah, blah. Because we're not to, a music podcast. I listen to every single one of Elliot Smith's albums, except for three. Really? Uh, well, I just, <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I listen to two Elliot Smith albums, I got to say. And a smattering of other songs. Okay, fine. You know, not my stuff. I'm not going to listen to all of it just to be able to talk about
1: it. Wait, wait, uh, I'm going to be real with you. I have yeah. not listened to a single one in preparation for this episode. Yes, that is and true. And I but- shan't be listening to one after. Well, I shall
0: be wearing shantz after this. <laughs> uh,
1: so, you know, his
0: his musical career, I'll kind of just give you the, not even the highlights here, because I'm not even getting into the individual albums, but it really blows the fuck up once he has a song on the Goodwill Hunting soundtrack. You know, I found out that movie was made by Gus Van Zandt, which means I don't know who Gus Van Zandt is.
1: Here's, okay, I want to pause here for yeah. a second because I love... Goodwill hunting. Yeah. Okay. Big Robin Williams kid, because you know, grew up in San Francisco. People don't who aren't from San Francisco won't know this, but Robin Williams was kind of like a mascot for the city. Yeah. And he was also like a dude about town. He like really was like a mascot in the city. Like his Yeah, yeah, yeah. His suit, I mean, you know what, we're talking about suicides. His suicide was like a real that was that was a real tough one. Um, for people in San Francisco in particular, because of like how I mean, you know, he was like around. Like yeah, everyone has a story to, about him.
0: To, it's funny. He used to take um, I don't know, if i probably going say this. Uh, he used to take guys from uh, like meetings, you know, sober. Mm. Uh, to, when he was doing like stand up shows or whatever, like he'd be doing shows like the Warfield, and he would take guys uh, like newcomers
1: to him after mm. the meeting, which I think That's is a cool. very sweet thing. to That's do. That's very sweet. Yeah, he's just anyway. So I love Robin Williams. I really love Goodwill Hunting because I just think it's really cozy like a real easy cozy movie you can throw on people are gonna make fun of me i sound a little like bill simmons right here but i don't give a shit anyway i was getting ready for this episode here's the thing i had no idea that elliot smith did anything for goodwill hunting
0: he did a bunch of songs yeah and i fucking love this soundtrack. movie I'd
1: have seen it like literally a billion times yeah no idea also Guess what? i had no idea that gus van sand even directed the thing never seen the movie that's crazy yeah. yeah. Matt Damon well. and Ben Affleck and Gus Van Zandt? That's sorry. crazy. I,
0: I, I'm sorry. Let me let me interrupt. We're getting so off track in of this episode, but let me interrupt with this. B- Boston, outside of our dear friend Ben, is a city that nobody likes. Right? Like let's let's be let's be let's be real here. Let's be real here. People don't like the city of Boston. Yeah. People from Boston like Boston, but no one's like, you know, no one's like, oh, I'm 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 graduating high school. I'm gonna move to Boston. You know, it doesn't really happen.
1: No, yeah, they um, do. They, that's where they go to college. Well, all the if you're not going Boston. to college.
0: Yeah, yeah. If you're not going to college there. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. People go there for college, which, you know, don't give me started. awful.
1: On that. Matt Damon. It's the Florida of the East Coast. Ben Affleck.
0: These guys have dedicated their careers to lying to the impressionable American pigs whose heads have been made soft from high fructose corn syrup to telling them that Boston is cool, that actually it's kind of gangster. And not only is it gangster, you could be white and a gangster. Like all this shit, like mm. being Irish is cool, blah, blah.
1: Yeah. Give Suck, suck my, my dick. dick. All right. Yeah. I don't want to hear it. The Irish definitely had a moment in the early 2000s, late yeah, 90s they were early 2000s. <laughs> Speaking of Affleck, what's your take on the J.Lo Affleck thing?
0: None of my business. I didn't... I, I don't... I honestly can't. I don't... I think
1: she that. got ass implants taken out.
0: Yeah. Huh. Uh, that should be illegal. Once you get them, they're in. That's it. Okay. Let's get s- back to s- it. Sew it up. Uh, anyways, so this the soundtrack... Big deal. He fucking, he's up for, I believe, a goddamn Academy Award, an Oscar for best song. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah.
1: He played at the Oscars. He
0: he did. I actually watched that footage, which, by the way, the footage from that, the top one on YouTube, it looks like someone recorded their TV with a fucking VHS camera. They probably did. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess it's- What year was this? 96? 98. 98. 98. Yeah, okay, come on. He loses out, of course, to My Heart Will Go On from the Titanic soundtrack. Great song. Great song.
1: That's a great uh, song. Celine Dion, fantastic. He also does um,
0: you know, he's featured I think he does most of the soundtrack for the World Tenon Bombs, but definitely his song Needle in the Hay, very famous scene in the World Tenon Bombs. I, I and g I, I gotta be I gotta be honest with you here. I, I know this is probably a widely held, I assume a widely held opinion at this point, but I've held this opinion since I saw the World Tenon Bombs when it came out. I don't like this Wes Anderson guy. I don't I know what he's trying to the do. The guy from
1: Devo did the music for Royal Tenenbaums. Mark Mothersbaugh,
0: yeah, yeah, he probably did. He yeah. does well, all the
1: Wes Anderson music.
0: Never mind. Then uh, he, Elliot Smith just did this one song, or maybe yeah. one of the songs.
1: There's a lot of Velvet Underground in there too.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, and Bowie. Yeah. All right. All the well, stuff
1: everyone likes.
0: Uh, Lou Reed. Uh, uh, don't get me started on Lou Reed. we could do a whole series on my take yeah. well about thank lou god we
1: don't have a music but uh,
0: google original rapper lou reed uh, japan performance a rapper with a w uh, although it's a rap song anyways uh he puts out a bunch of p- albums that people really flip their shit off of i mean he is he is big and this is sort of the post grunge era right like he is a singer songwriter this is kind of coming back in vogue uh Puts out an album called Either Or. This is one of the ones I've listened to. Named for a book by Kierkegaard. Yeah.
1: Uh, the, yeah, a very famous book.
0: Yeah, I've read it. It's so good. <laughs> um, I haven't read the book. Uh, but uh, I understand that uh, thematically it makes sense with Elliot Smith's career and lifestyle. Um Anyways, following uh, his breakthrough into the mainstream, actually, this is a little. This is actually a little hazy on the details of this because I've read this is actually like, a weird part of his contract with Heatmiser is the reason for this, but he is signed to uh, DreamWorks Records, which is David Geffen's label. Uh, oh, yeah. Noted, uh, alleged, alleged pedophile David mm. Geffen, and uh, I believe friend of Oprah. Um. And, uh, I, you know, I actually try to kind of look into what the details of his contract might be. Uh, I admit that I gave up after about an hour at this point. I mean, record contracts are like, if you signed to a major label, you were getting your ass fucked by the label. Yeah. Like, especially if you're not really big, which yeah, Elliot Smith was you know, actually pretty sizable when he signed. Um, but you, you get fucked by label. And this is why rappers are always talking about how like, you know, or trying to get out of label deals, have tons of shit with their fucking labels is because people who, uh, you know, maybe don't have a good manager or maybe to really small when they're starting out, you get signed to some like crazy long record deal. And as, as big as you get, You still get fucked over by the labels. I mean, they'll keep your tapes, they'll fucking, you know, they'll have control over your catalog, they'll have control over your output, they'll have control over your touring image, all that kind of shit. And so being on a major label kind of sucks balls. Although I I have not seen that much bad stuff about Elliot Smith's actual time on there, um, although it does appear he was trying to get out of it at the end of his life.
1: Yeah, and this is like, you know, the fucking late 90s, which is like heyday of bad record label shit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now that's why I suggest just go straight to MySpace.
0: Honestly, now there is basically no reason to sign to a record label because they're just going to put your fucking song on Spotify. You're going to make zero dollars yeah. off it. The only way to make money in the band is by touring and by selling T-shirts. Uh, I'm going
1: to be real with you. Didn't know record labels still existed.
0: They do. Yeah, dude. We're literally fucking. Signed I thought everything to... was
1: just produced by Live Nation.
0: No, Liz, we're on Victory Records.
1: <laughs> no, I'm serious. I literally just thought like Live Nation just kind of like cuts you a check and then everything yeah. is like fed to into an algorithm to, into streaming platforms. And then somehow you're, you get like a VMA. That's how I, ex- no, I imagined like music industry. I mean, works now.
0: <laughs> if you're like anything, but like a band that's trying to be like the killers or something, like you don't really need. What kind of band is that? Uh, I actually have hung out with the killers once I've told that story on this podcast. Uh, I stole every single thing from their hotel bathroom, including all their personal toiletries. Why? That. I apologize because <laughs> all right, a guy named El Diablo Uh, Invited a bunch of girls I was with that like go fuck the killers one night at uh, Edinburgh Castle. All the girls like I'm not gonna go fuck the killers, and uh, he gave us a password for their hotel suite. And I was like I'm gonna go see what's happening. I'm not gonna I wasn't gonna fuck the killers. I'm like I live right I I live in the TL. I'm like (laughs) that's kind of near me. So I go down there. I give the password. Fucking just giant ass goddamn. I'm like 19 at this point. I'm wearing like a trench coat or something. I'm I'm punk, and I there's, there's like six guys in there all. Massive uh, in my head. I, I don't know who's in the killers, who's not. Um,
1: it's the hair because the hair was swooping down.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, they
1: all they have to the drink height.
0: are little. They have a six pack of Coronitas, the small Coronas, and <laughs> that's uh, what
1: I, made them look so big because yeah, they were holding yeah, yeah, the height. Yeah, yeah, that's
0: a good. That's a good trick. Uh, anyways, <laughs> grab a grab a couple of those. Pound them. Fucking don't talk to anybody. See a chick I know on the couch whose name will never be spoken on this podcast. Uh, give her a little wink and, uh, head to the bathroom, uh, take all of their towels. It's the hotel's towels and stuff. And, uh, and then some like, like fancy toothpaste and like deodorant and shit like that. Put it in my jacket and, uh, head back to my, uh, basement apartment in the Tenderloin where we use those towels for the rest of the time that we live there. (laughs) Um, anyways, so I can't remember what we were talking about then. Um... (laughs) That, anyways, I don't have a ton of insight on Elliot Smith's contract uh, with his record label. I do know he was trying to get out of it at the end of his life, um, so I can't imagine it was great. I mean, that's the thing is, even if you have a good record contract, if you want to do something that's out of the bounds of that contract, you still would might want to get the fuck out of it. Um, the thing that you... There's a couple things that you really can't escape when you're talking about Elliot Smith, um, and we'll deal with the first of those now, which is drugs.
1: Yeah. It's, I'm surprised. It took, it's, we're now almost... 30 minutes in, and we haven't mentioned the drug use, which is kind yeah. of crazy. Um, this is a big, yeah. big part of his life.
0: Yeah, he was a heavy drinker, it uh, looks like, for the vast majority of his life. Um, and uh, also on antidepressants for a lot of that. And uh, drinking in antidepressants, uh, as many of our uh, single male listeners might be devastated to learn, is a pretty bad combo. Uh, in fact, uh, his drinking and drinking on the psych medication got so bad that his friends staged an intervention with him, I think in around 2000, uh, and he got sent to a psych hospital, which he checked himself out of, I believe a few days after getting there. Um, the, uh, that, that seems to have been a pretty momentous, uh, thing for him. Uh, he really spoke out against it afterwards. I think he even wrote some songs about it. Um, but, uh, you know, that's something I've learned from experience is that like inter- interventions and stuff like that, they can, they can work, but they can kind of only go so far in just like letting someone know that you love them and that they have a problem or that you hate them and that they have a problem, um, but that you think they have a problem. You, you can't ever tell if somebody isn't willing to admit that they have a problem or that they want to change like it's not gonna work you know I've been sent to to detoxes and rehabs and shit uh you know against my will um i mean by the will of the you know city in county of San Francisco but against mine and uh and that's not gonna work and, it, it, and you can have a pretty strange reaction to that um which i i mean I certainly did I had an insane amount of um anger towards that, and it looks like Elliot Smith did too um At one point on a tour in North Carolina, he gets so fucked up and, uh, and he hurts himself by jumping off a cliff uh, on Mm. purpose and impaling himself on a tree, uh, which is, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's probably speaks to the other issue, depression that we're going to deal with in a sec. Um, anyways, I, again, not sure exactly when he started using heroin. Um, it's, I read pretty different conflicting accounts from, uh, from, from sources that were close to him. Um, but he was definitely using it towards the last few years of his life. Um was doing, he says at one, $1 dollars a day worth of heroin and crack,
1: which is insane. Like, Especially, that's 90s dollars. That, that's actually
0: kind of what I was, I've been thinking about that a lot. $1,000, so,
1: what is that now?
0: I mean, if I remember correctly, a, a gram of, of tar was about $60 when I was using it. Uh, I last used it in 2014. Um, that is, you know, it's not the greatest shit in the world, but you know, it's, it was decent stuff that I was getting. Um, you know, I, the only thing that could make sense to me and I was, I, I, I could do about three grams a day. I don't know. Actually, I could probably do more than that, but, um, my, my goal was to get three grams a day. Although that was usually, I could get like a gram or half a gram cause I had no money. Um, but, uh, but $1,500 a day is insane. Even if he's getting ripped off, that's so much heroin and no.
1: crack. Crack is, is cheaper than heroin.
0: It's like the cheapest thing in the world. You'd be yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, you would be shocked at how cheap crack is. Um, and so, and this is know, pre-inflation. Pre pre-inf, exactly, pre-Biden inflation too. <laughs> um, and yeah, I talked to some people uh who had some personal anecdotes about him earlier today and you know, some people even quoted higher numbers. Um I I kind of think it's bullshit. That seems apocryphal to me. Um but it's, it's all just to say that he was doing a lot of drugs.
1: Yeah. Um, I hate,
0: and, yeah, I know he had, uh, he, he is a quote from him from, uh, from, from this magazine rocket where he says, uh, the last one wasn't specifically about dope referencing a song, but I used dope as a vehicle to talk about dependency and non-self-sufficiency. I could have used love as that vehicle, but that's not where I was. During all the interviews for the last album, self-titled Elliot Smith, everyone read the songs at a very surface level. They wanted to know why there were so many songs about heroin. And so Elliot Smith does have a lot of songs about dope. But dope, I think, you know, as, as he's saying here, is, can also be used as a, as a metaphor. Um, and certainly as a metaphor for lack of self-control, there are a few that come better.
1: I think that Brace and I are like a little bit of a... Uh... I don't know, an enigma in whatever we call this little like podcast milieu that's, you know, large. I'm thinking about lots of things, but in this kind of like whatever, where I do want to say like, I don't find any of this like romantic, I, I I don't think any, like either of us have anything good to say about like this kind of like use of drugs or I, I don't know. I just want to be clear that we when we talk about this kind of stuff and especially with Brace's background, which we've talked extensively about on the podcast, like I don't know. We don't shy away from details when we're talking about this, the seriousness yeah. of this kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, I think, I don't know. I think it's also a big thing about people who don't use drugs a lot. Maybe it's like there's a certain romanticism around it. But, uh, but if you're doing, you're smoking, I mean, I've smoked crack and shot heroin. I was, you know, I was never a big crack guy, but I've shot and smoked crack before. Um, it's not good for you. It just, it really, it, it is, it, I, unless you do it, I, I don't know how to describe it, but it's, it's, it will, f- Fucking ruin your life and not in a romantic way i mean even with smith you know like he was he was getting found in in club bathrooms with the needle in his arm um yeah. and nodding out he would not out on stage just walking to the studio wearing a fucking blanket uh but in, anytime you ever see someone walking around wearing a blanket outside of their house and they're like a cozy girl or something that mm-hmm. person is a fucking junkie um that is i was a i was a blanket wearer myself and so i can uh I can I can attest to that um so Elliot Smith did was did not seem to be particularly interested in getting sober um you know none of his really previous attempts at detox seemed to really work but uh sometime in two thousand two I think in the summer of two thousand two his girlfriend and him a woman named valerie uh split up and uh nothing like a girlfriend dumping you to to uh you know flip a switch sometimes and, and tell you to check yourself into somewhere and he does he um'
1: We're I spent a way too.
0: Or a boyfriend, exactly. Um, he gets he gets something called what was called the neurotransmitter restoration center in Los Angeles. Mm. Um, and I gotta say, I got very pension doctor vibes from the guy <sighs> running it. This yeah. is amino acid therapy, and it's. I talked to uh, I t- actually uh, talked to Hamilton yesterday because I was like, "What the fuck is this?" Like, I've never I've been to so many detoxes, and they just are like, uh, "Don't you don't." Uh, here's some Advil, like this is, this yeah, is strap,
1: it, strap in, get exactly. ready for the ride.
0: Yes. Buy the ticket, take the ride, you know, yeah, totally. um, but, uh, or clonidine that actually works pretty well, but, uh, that's just a blood pressure medication. So, but this is, is amino acid therapy, totally unproven, non FDA approved. I mean, FDA is bullshit, but you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it basically seems kind of like quack science. There's some studies, there's a study I read that says it can, it can be, it has some efficacy to it. But if it's paired with wraparound programs and like, you can't really, that makes, you know, what if the wraparound program is just really effective? It's kind of hard to judge, uh, via that. Um, he does quit heroin and crack at this place. I think they also made him quit his psych meds. Although by the end of his life, he was back on it. He actually doesn't get fully sober until August, 2003 when he gives up drinking. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it it's, uh, He was when he died. He was actually, I think, on Suboxone, uh, definitely on Adderall, Mirtazapine, Mm -hmm. and uh, I believe Stratera as well. Which is actually funny. I've been on all of those drugs after rehab, um, although I've never stayed on any of them. Um, But uh, but you know, the
1: Mirtazapine
0: there—it's an antidepressant—that does lead us to our next thing, which is his depression.
1: Yeah, he's like uh, very famously the most depressed person in the entire world was the most impressed person in the entire world. That was like his, like, I don't know. I think that's like, if you didn't, if you never heard Elliot Smith, but you heard of Elliot Smith, you'd be like, oh, that's the depressed guy. And it's funny, Brace and I were talking and, um, the, the kind of like his level of depression, the only thing that I think gets close to what I imagine Smith's depression was like, is a story by david foster wallace which is a really difficult story to read called the depressed person which Mm -hmm. really is like into the heart of darkness in trying to understand like how deep and intense depression is because it is one of those um very difficult especially now in the way that i don't know the way that we you know now everything is called quote-unquote mental health and the way that we've sort of kind of i don't know the there's a certain sort of language, very kind oh, of sanitized yeah. and uh, family friendly language way we talk about, um, you know, a lot of these mental health issues, which, again, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that this level of depression kind of qualifies for something that could be solved by an app or, you know, even, um, you know, just a, a script which is is kind of like American way to deal with these things. But anyway, my point being um, that this was like a very, very, very dark, deep level of depression. Yeah, um, yeah. Something that I do think lends credence to, and at least people's, um, you know, even personal anecdotes about him um, lends credence to some of the claims about perhaps his childhood.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, that's the thing is like he has. I mean, there's many signs about heroin. He probably has twice as many about depression. Um, you know, and there's a lot of, you know, anecdotes about friends having to stay up with him until like 4 a.m. And then this is even back in the Portland days, consoling him, telling him not to kill himself. Uh, you know, he had, there's a lot of rumors about him trying to kill himself at different times. I think one person said that they'd seen him with a big scar on his chest. Uh, you know, it was. Mysteriously appeared one day. Uh, I know he, you know, they're talking about impaling himself. Um, he also been threatening DreamWorks. Apparently, allegedly, been threatening DreamWorks to try to get out of the contract with them uh, by threatening to kill himself. And uh, I read a report. Who knows if it's true that he had hung up a noose in his house. You know, sort of as a warning. I mean, I don't know if I would take that that seriously. Like that might just be like a reminder to yourself or whatever. I, I don't know if I would necessarily take that as like a threat of suicide. Um, but he's certainly, you know, there are there plenty of anecdotes around him telling people he was going to kill himself. Um, also plenty of anecdotes about telling people that he was not going to kill himself too. Um, I want to be clear here. There's, some of his friends came over after he died and were like, he swore he'd never do that. Although I got to say, I've had people tell that to me too. And you know, it's, you got to take it with a grain of salt whenever everyone says something. And finally we come uh you know to the to the reason that we're all here, although only partially, uh, to talk about his death. Uh and and we can't really talk about his death without talking about the other person that was there, which is a woman named Jennifer Chiba. Um she is a licensed uh child therapist and indie rock musician who was living in LA. Um I think he met her in ninety-nine, although they only started dating about a year before she died, or he died. Um she had dated Rivers Cuomo.
1: Um From Weezer. From Weezer. And uh, Harvard graduate, Rivers Cuomo. Mm Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I remember. Everyone getting, like, feeling like, hey, did you know you went to Harvard? That was a thing everyone always said back then.
0: Let uh, Let me make something clear to you, Weezer, if you're listening to this.
1: They're not listening.
0: Well, they might be. And they might be after they hear about this. I know what you've been doing from your official Twitter account. I've seen what you've been doing. And you have to stop doing that. This is real, by the way. This is real, by the way. Yeah. And if you're a girl listening to this, there is a 95% chance that you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, I, they actually, they, they did a, a, Pew did a research poll of uh, uh, every woman in America last year. And it turns out that, uh, just don't do that things from the official account, brother. That's a bad, that's, don't do that. Um,
1: also, if you are listening, you're too old. Still yeah. listening to us. I, You're yeah.
0: too old. That's, I, I find your music cloying, um, although it's better music than many of the bands that we've talked about today. It just is not my thing. Uh,
1: anyway, I don't kind of like the aesthetics. It's like that—that that kind of like you know. All I see is like the bright colors. It's and then vote like for that, Pedro to me. That fucking pla- like a plaid shirt with yeah, you know, state press with a belt, and I just it's,
0: to me I, I heavily associate that with like Napoleon Dynamite <sighs> stuff, which is not yeah,
1: totally, totally.
0: Um, yeah. Well, anyway, she did it. She David Rivers Cuomo. Um, you know, there is a long quote I put down here, which I'm not going to read. Uh, you know, it's they, they, but but she she and Cuomo had a pretty, I guess, a torrid romance on and off again. Um, he wrote a bunch of songs about her, uh, which you can look up on the Weezerpedia page, uh, which our producer is actually the admin of. Uh, he can give you access. He's shaking his head, but I, I literally can see the reflection hey, off your This is what
1: he said.
0: Yeah, do you want to? Re- yeah, I had benefited yeah.
1: greatly from her care, and yet I had always kept my heart hard to her, believing yeah. that if Weezer did make it, I would want to be free for the many superior options I imagined would be available to me.
0: Oh, that's kind of circumspect about it. I don't know. I that's that's all. Right. I also I'm pretty sure Rivers was autistic. That's not all right. Yeah. Well no, like, he was saying that like back then he was like you know, he was like keeping her like, oh no, baby, I can't commit because like now I'm gonna get famous and like then get I'm gonna fuck Kate Winslet or whatever.
1: Yeah. And I'm and saying, he's like I
0: think he's kinda of saying that like a s like a that was stupid of me. You know, or like yeah, that's just, Well like, Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I can't see into a lot, really
1: cool, of, lot of people think that.
0: Um wrongly. but you know, they got a they got a bunch of songs uh about her, uh and uh and including a song actually um uh about her dealing with the fallout after Elliot Smith's death. And apparently, as of earlier this year, Weezer or Rivers Cuomo is going to release a song in excuse me, an album as sort of in the style
1: of in tribute to
0: Elliot Smith. Really? Um
1: yeah, apparently so. Are they they now okay, pause. Yeah. Yeah. They were supposed to go on a boat tour. Or did uh, they? What? Was there was I going to be like a, a Weezer about. yacht? <laughs> Uh, sorry, what? what I you swear about? to God, there was like a Weezer cruise.
0: Young Chops, do you know what she's talking about? No.
1: Oh, oh. yes. Are
0: See, you talking Weezer about like those rock cruise. cruises
1: that were big?
0: No. Uh, yeah, actually, I met my first wife on the Weezer cruise.
1: Dude, this is real. The Weezer yeah. cruise was an event where Weezer sailed on the Carnival Destiny from Miami to the island Cozumel off the coast of Mexico.
0: Uh, See? Yeah, I know. I remember when, when cruise ship Oh my god, was really they did big, it with they were having...
1: Dinosaur Jr. That's so sad.
0: My boy I think my boy Graham is in that band now. Aww. Um Rincon saw Robo from Black Flag's dick on a cruise ship in the uh in, in Why near was Norway. he
1: on a cruise ship? Because for it some is reason, it's so Rincon to the, even was, be on a cruise ship.
0: Well, no, they were playing with the Misfits and Robo from Black Flag is in the Misfits now. But uh, oh apparently Robo is a huge dick. Um but uh, anyways, so Chiba and Smith got together like about a year before he died. I mean, he had apparently been pursuing her or something or wanted to be friends with her um, before. At least they, they they knew each other pretty well. Uh, she was in a band called Happy Ending, which very 2003 band name. Um, also a
1: very 2003 bar in New York.
0: Not familiar with it, but yeah. Um, people in New York are always like the Mars Bar or whatever. That's like always yeah, yeah, the old yeah. bar people talk about. It. Anyways, so uh elliot smith really takes them under his wing which i gotta say all right you can't mix uh love and rock and roll you can't do it It, it's a it's a bad idea uh i just i'm not saying that's what happened here at all i'm just saying as a general rule you don't you don't play in the band with the old lady you don't take the old lady on tour ditto you know if the situations are reversed um
1: you don't yeah. mix love and rock and roll. This is it, like a book that you're going to write or something. No,
0: it's not. When you're I, like 65. I have 65. always love and rock and roll, baby. But I'm not in this Yeah, but to be like you with
1: like, a, with like a guitar right here being like, <laughs> never mix love and rock and roll.
0: True and on, the dirt. Oh, um,
1: my God. Behind but, uh, the music.
0: But you can't, uh, you know, it's a bad idea to do that. But, you know, Elliot Smith was producing their records. Uh, I think he was taking them on tour. He was financing them. Um, Apparently, the mixing of that last record, the production of the last record, was kind of a nightmare. By uh, the oral history I've read of the situation, uh, it does not seem like it was going well. And keep in mind, Elliot is sober, but like the guy is pretty fucked up. You know, newly like sober. newly sober, and you know, and I, I got to tell you, the first year of sobriety, you are a su- you're literally when you're like you're not supposed to date for a year after you get yeah, sober. Yeah, I have
1: a question about that. Yeah. I thought that you really, like, it was real frowned upon to the point of being, like, heavily, heavily, heavily discouraged, almost outlawed in certain circles to date within a year of.
0: You're not supposed to, but, uh, did I do that? (laughs) You're not supposed to. Right. You're not supposed to, but, uh. But people well, do. You you do you do and people you know, do. People do. I, there yeah, you go. I yeah yeah people do. Um and you know it's you can still and also everyone's like you're not supposed to date but you can still have sex which is literally technically true. Um but you know it's it, and the reason that behind that the logic behind that I mean it's not like official rule or anything but it's because a lot of time you are fucking crazy.
1: Yeah totally. In that
0: year I mean I didn't stop being crazy. For like three months after I got well,
1: signed. yeah, we're still waiting, uh,
0: Grace. M- yeah. Well, that's uh, my view of it, which is uh, overriding everyone else's. Um, and so, like, that is an important thing. Like, you're fucked, you're pretty fucked up, especially after, like, I mean, I was on uh, not crack, but I was on meth and heroin. Uh, and that does not do well with your brain. You, you're a lot of things need to sort of rebuild themselves. I mean, god. Yeah, I cannot even fully explain. Uh, I don't think I have the vocabulary to fully explain how fucked up it can be. But, uh, you know, they were, they fought a lot. They, you know, it seems like they had some pretty fucked up circumstances w- within their relationship, but I don't really have a lot more insight than that. But you know, he moved in with her and, uh, about a month after he quit drinking, so he quits drinking Well, a little more than a month, but he quits drinking in August of 2003. He'd already been sober from, from heroin and, and crack for about a year before that. Uh, and he also, I think, quits caffeine and a bunch of other stuff. He, said meat, he quit yeah. he, red meat. He said he quit his antidepressants, but he, I mean, he was on his antidepressants when he died, so I guess not. Um, but uh, you know, he gets into a fight with uh, with Jennifer um, sometime before noon, and uh, she locks herself in the bathroom. Uh, I've heard alternately uh, that she locked herself in the bathroom, or that she was taking a shower after she emerges uh, after about five to 10 minutes, she sees him with a, uh, a knife sticking out of his chest, uh, and gasping for air. She runs over and, uh, and, and this is, this is, this is the sort of the, the, the official story of it. And she, she runs over and pulls the knife out of his chest and, uh, and calls the police calls the ambulance. Uh, they come and at about one twenty, um, so, you know, a little while after, uh, he is pronounced dead, uh, about 20 minutes after getting to the hospital.
1: So we should, we do have to pause here, as I love to say, because Mm -hmm. this is the, you know, this event is what people have obviously really um, clung to. You, we mentioned at the top of the episode that like, you know, there's a lot of like suicide question mark. A lot of people who think it's maybe not, maybe something more nefarious. Um, There are, podcasts other podcasts devoted to this there are whole websites devoted to this there are Mm -hmm. people um you know reddit forums or what is it called subreddits devoted to it and also i will say a lot of redditors out there uh as i was i was looking at them a lot of redditors out there um dedicated to uh let's say attacking some of the people saying some theories versus other anyway, what I'm saying is it's very yeah. contentious yeah um and a lot of people who are familiar with this story have a lot of opinions, very strong opinions mm-hmm. um because basically it is and this is one of the number well there's a couple weird things here, but we'll start with one one it is nearly impossible, very unheard of, rarely ever happens because it's nearly impossible to stab yourself in the heart.
0: Yeah. That's sort of the elephant in the room here, right? Is that, um, I'm sure many people out there are familiar with, you know, people killing themselves with knives. And usually the way that you do it is you cut your wrists. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, in the heat of the moment or whatever, it takes a second to die from cutting yourself in the wrist. Uh, you know, you, you've got to bleed out that way. Uh, presumably, stabbing yourself in the heart would t- may, you know, make it a lot quicker because you're stopping your heart there. Uh, and, uh, it you know, it does make sense to me. I do, I do want to say that, like, I think part of the reason it's so jarring is because, A, it's such an unheard of way to kill yourself. And I try to look up statistics about this... Uh, you know, justice for Elliot Smith website has a lot of statistics. I try to look up other statistics. I asked some people who are doctors. I mean, it is like a vanishingly rare way to kill yourself. Yeah. Because your body like
1: will not let you do it. That's the thing. Like this is something that people really, you know, um, don't
0: try this because we're saying that.
1: Yeah. Don't. Oh my God. Yes. Don't try it. We might need to, depending on where this episode goes, we might actually need to put something at the top of the episode about that. But, um, you know, we, no, seriously, like your body will stop you because there's a reflex. Like you, it's incredibly difficult to stab yourself in the heart to the point where when I was reading about it, I was like, okay, maybe there's something in the toxicology that would explain how someone could have, could be hopped up either on so much adrenaline or something man-made that would allow them to kind of bypass those natural kind of reflexes that would stop like that will stop you from actually doing something like that. Like your body will stop you from doing that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's
1: really, really difficult.
0: Well, there's also the actual pain too.
1: Yeah, of course. Which brings us to the second part, which is a little funny, which is you would expect because it's so difficult to do something like he did, um, that there would be more hesitation wounds than there are. And there aren't,
0: (laughs) Yeah. The pathologist noted in the report that there's, there, there are, there are no hesitation wounds.
1: Yeah. Um, which again is extremely unheard of. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And, 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 and there are, he does have a couple of other cuts on him. He has one on his bicep about where you would have, uh, like, a. actually do literally have a heart tattoo with an arrow through it, uh, on my bicep. It does not say mom. It says women, but where you would have that tattoo or where I have this tattoo, uh, there is a, there's a cut there and then there is a cut on sort of the, uh, I don't know if any of you guys were ever taught if you had a headache when you're a kid to get your pressure point on your thumb. You know, you guys ever taught that?
1: No. Um, what you, really? What is it? What Liz, you if you ever get do? a headache, yeah.
0: put your finger out like that. So extend your sort of your thumb outwards, make an L and, uh, and then press in the uh, sort of the webbing of your, um, between your thumb and your, your index finger.
1: Really? And, that uh, works?
0: Yeah. It's, yeah. It's supposed to, it's, it's a pressure point. So it's supposed to like calm mm. you down. I mean, I was always taught to do that. It was also to kind of make you calm. Um, but, uh, but he has a, on the, on the palm part of that, he has a cut. And I got to say, so I mean, you know, if your heart is about, you know, a little, he got stabbed a little under his left nipple or like his left breast. And uh, if you were trying to, uh, trying to defend yourself from that, I mean, that is, I mean, try to do it right now. You know, that's like where you would get stabbed in in your arm probably or on your hand. But it's, it's, you know, it, 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 it's also like, that is also conjecture, right? Like we don't know that. I, I, I don't know what could have caused those cuts. Um, but, but I think that is a pretty big thing that like a lot of people really, you know, raise, including me raise their eyebrows at, right?
1: Yeah, like, totally. I mean, I think it's a really, you know, that's what people say. They're like, oh, those are defensive wounds. And I yes. actually believe in the autopsy report, they refer to them as such. Um, one thing, I was like trying to like, kind of like, you know, little both sides, crossfire both sides in my head. One mm-hmm. Liz, one side, other Liz, other side, two Liz's. Mm-hmm. Um My nightmare. And... I and I was thinking, oh, okay. If he was trying to do it, then maybe that was the hesitation, right? That was like, you know, because like we're saying, I this is not a video, so you guys can't see what I'm doing. I'm like literally trying to. I can kind of like I can film it with my motion. phone
0: if you want. No,
1: <laughs> but um, you know, like I said, your body will kind of like cower a little bit, or react, kind of like close in as yeah the, as that motion is happening, and. It could have been that, you know, the, uh, you know, adrenaline pumping plus the kind of, um, you know, just like fear and knee jerk reaction of your body that you would then miss and hit your, your shoulder and your bicep. I could see that happening.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the two, the deal with the two actual stabs into his heart are, you know, the first one. Uh, I mean, they're not sure exactly which came, which, but it's pretty clear. I mean, they, they, for the purpose of the report, they refer to them as like number one and number two, but it's pretty clear that, you know, which, which was probably first, uh, he stabs himself about two inches in, uh, and, uh, collapses along. And then, or, you know, that's the second time the knife goes really far in and actually goes through his heart and in fact, kind of cleaves his heart in two and gets to the back of it about five to seven inches in, which is a lot. I mean, that's, that's, that is a lot of, in, in, of knife to be in your, to be in your chest. Um, you know, the first one, they refer to it as a possibly fatal wound. I think they just have to, in fact, I know they just have to say that because it is technically you could die from that, you know, you collapsed lung. Uh, the second one is almost assuredly fatal. I mean, he, he, he severed a bunch of shit in there. You know, it's, the heart does not like to be stabbed, uh, all the way through, um, and uh, you know he didn't die right away. They did rush him to the hospital, um, but, and tried to perform surgery on him, but it, it it really it didn't work. Um, so the pathologist in the uh, in the report that's out, which which we we can link to in the, the description, but um, it uh, I think it's a woman that that actually that actually did the autopsy. Uh, says that actually they can't rule it one way or the other. They can't rule it suicide or murder. Um, and actually, in fact, I believe the case is still open because of that. Um. There's a you know there's naturally very under, understandably this spawned a lot of let's say competing I don't want to say conspiracy theories but competing theories about um, the actual sort of circumstances surrounding Elliot Smith's death.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like we said, it you know because of the nature of uh, the stab stab wounds, I don't even know how else to say that. Like because of how he killed himself or whatever, um, it lends itself to being completely and totally unbelievable. I think also there is the, you know, it's like, it's such a like horrifically poetic way. And I don't mean to romanticize it when I say that, like mm-hmm. at all, but I can't think of any other way. Like there's something, so it's like, you fucking cut his heart into, Yeah. are you kidding me? It yeah. doesn't feel real. You it know doesn't what I mean? Feel real. And I think too, like, so there, so it's just like, how did this happen? This is insane. It's almost, it's like a, almost like a feat. It's, it's, it's a human impossibility. And that coupled with all the other weirdness about the situation, you know, we said they got in a fight. She comes out, she sees, uh, you know, that he has a knife in his chest. She pulls it out. Well, wait a second, lady, you should know. And many have pointed this out. You never pull out a a knife <laughs> if you know yes. that'll make the wound ten times worse and will um, you know
0: almost a hundred
1: percent of the time lead to someone bleeding out.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. you want
1: to. Um, in case people don't know this, uh, you don't want to remove what you know someone is stabbed with either a knife or a piece of glass or whatever it is. But you know, wrap something around it to try to press down and contain and put pressure on the bleeding and on the wound. Yeah. Um, this is someone who you know on many of these you know gumshoe investigator websites, people have pointed this out. This is someone who is trained in CPR and other um, kind of you know
0: basic first first, first aid, aid yeah. knowledge.
1: This is something they absolutely would have known, especially as like, dealing with kids, they would have especially known this. On the flip side of that, we're going to go over to other Liz in the crossfire. Other Liz mm. says, well, on the flip side, you're, you step out of the shower, you hear someone scream, you see this, your knee-jerk thing is, oh, my God, I got to stop this. And you do that, yeah. right? Yeah. You're not thinking. You're not thinking. You're just reacting, especially if it's someone you love, right? Yeah. So, Yeah.
0: I, I mean, I think I think that's – everybody can probably understand that. Like, It's like – that, that, the thing it's really easy to be like well she should have known better but like I've seen people in situations forget stuff like this or especially I, I've never seen a situation like this I want to be clear about that
1: i, mean, I don't think anyone it's, it's,
0: <laughs> yeah exactly um but 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 I mean it, it totally makes sense to be like oh my god the person I love has a knife in their heart I gotta get the knife out and so I agree with you that there's really like, there's these two sort of like, these two Liz's there, um, that that are saying these different things. And yeah, both of them are basically uh, plausible. I want to say that, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna weight them there, but, but they're, they're, they're perfectly plausible. I I think another thing, big thing is just like the fact that it's like a stabbing too. And again, I know we've already talked about this, but like that, that I think is like, a stabbing is usually an offensive sort of thing that you do, you know, rather than a, um, a a way that you harm yourself. I mean, people cut themselves usually they don't necessarily stab themselves or they usually don't stab themselves. And like the fact that it happened at like noon is really unusual. Although you can't really read too much into that because people do, especially if they're, you know, newly sober might not be sleeping so much. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there's also just like, You know, she also she she didn't talk to the cops. You know, when they came, um, yeah, she refused to
1: talk to detectives.
0: Yes, which you know, it's it's in most murder cases when it's usually a family member or usually a loved one. Like most murder cases like this, you know what I mean? It's like it's if you were just looking at the bare facts of this, and you're a cop, you're like, well, she probably did. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's that's that's I mean, even more so if they're there.
1: Other Liz, now it's time Mm -hmm. for other Liz. Other Liz says, but also then how come they didn't, you know, include her as a suspect? They didn't really like try to question her that hard. They kind of like were like, okay. You know what I mean? Like they sat down with her. They did sit down with her at the kitchen table because that's when she's talking to them as he's being rushed to the hospital. Yeah. And that's when she says, Oh my God. And she sees a post-it note. Like as she's talking to the, you know, the cops on arrivals, she finds a post-it note and it says, I'm so sorry, love, Elliot, God forgive me. And it was like on a little post-it note, she hadn't seen it since, you know, she hadn't seen it up until that point. Um, And they didn't note anything weird about talking to her, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, They had his diary. I'm sure they matched the handwriting up. Yeah. That'd be a pretty obvious first thing to do.
1: There's a little bit of a um, you know, a lot of people point to which is a bit of an urban legend, although true, but then became kind of an urban legend. Uh the coroner uh, misspelled Elliot in the coroner's report um yeah. with one T, where Elliot Smith spelled his name with two T's. Um, and so many people used that as proof that the the suicide note was written by someone else because they're like, look, and they misspelled his name, which also is like, yeah, okay, but that makes it so I would know
0: how to spell his name.
1: Yeah, totally. <laughs> That's not like something you forget. <laughs> yeah, you <yeah, laughs> Or wouldn't yeah. know. Ooh. Yeah, anyway. Especially
0: people, I gotta be honest, people with like some of those names that you can spell a bunch of different ways, like Liz or whatever, get super pissed if you, you know, spell it.
1: First of all, right. like Elliot they're really, and Liz, there's really only mm-hmm. one way to spell it. No one's supposed to Elliot with two T's. I'm just gonna say Yeah, it was Elliot
0: Smith. Yeah. Well, it's he named it himself, so um you know. Yeah. You know, it's and I think she leaves the country pretty soon after, which again, you know, two Lizes here. It's like <laughs> that's just like the rhetorical trick I'm using. It works. Now, it, too. There's the two yeah. Lizzes,
1: crossfire, two Liz, Lizfire. Um,
0: you know, I mean, Elliot Smith was a famous guy, and this was a pretty well known suicide or death. And yeah. so you know, that isn't that crazy to me either. I, there's also, um, you know, she does sue his, uh, I believe, his stepmother.
1: Yeah, the um, estate.
0: Yeah, his his estate, I think, whether he didn't have a will or what, his estate sort of defaulted to his family. And uh by his family, it looks like his stepmother. I mean, obviously, he had a very bad relationship with his stepfather and probably, um, you know, not so great a one with the one that married his stepfather, his mother. Um, and so... He did sue her for, I think, a million dollars. I gotta say, the lawsuit—not a—not a great look. Um, you know, it is. I get, but on another hand, too, it's like I also get being like, well, fuck. You know, he said he was gonna take care of me forever. Which, okay, you know, after dating her for a year, I don't know, but uh, he said he's gonna take care of me forever. Like, you know, th- that's basically what it says. Um, you know, I was his cleaner, I was his cooker, I was his talent manager. You know, Booker and all this stuff, like. She wanted to get, I believe, a million dollars, then fifteen percent of royalties um, uh, from from certain releases. After that, uh, that had to be amended a bunch of different times, um, or I think at least, I think twice it had to be amended. Uh, I believe it didn't really go anywhere. She also didn't; they didn't settle or anything uh, out of court. So I think it was kind of a not really going to go anywhere. She also sues the uh, the stepmother's lawyers and. Um, I've read that lawsuit. She accuses them and the stepmother of saying that she killed Elliot Smith. Um, you know, it becomes this whole litigious mess. You know, mm. she 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 tries to get a tries to get a piece of it. And that that I, I'll be honest with you. Whenever people like this die, there are a lot of really sticky things that come up with that, right? Yeah. Especially if you weren't married, um, and uh, and even too like his his sort of posthumous last album you know his stepmother and you know and and you know people she gathered around her they chose the tracks for that like you got to – there's a really weird i don't know there's a lot of uh complexities to releasing uh a creative product that someone's made i shouldn't say that it's art that someone's made um after they die because they don't have any input on it in it you know mhm uh and so you know these songs are, like produced and remastered by people that like the stepmom chose and like it in it, the the actual you know there were some pretty important songs, including some songs that appeared to sort of implicate his stepfather, that were excised from the album. Um, and so you know that 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 does lead to some pretty uh, weird places. And I think it, you know part of the lawsuit has to deal with that too.
1: It's funny you were real intent on doing this episode, and it. I always thought it was. I thought it was real funny because you're not an indie rock guy.
0: No, I dislike indie
1: rock. <laughs> um, and you like really. You literally had never heard Elliott Smith's music, music before. Hmm. I like, but kids. you are new, newly down in L. A. Yeah. Um, at least for a little bit, and I wonder if some of that kind of seeped in, seeped in, and took over. Because there is a, I mean, he is like a big, especially on the east side, you know, um, he is like a kind of a figure that haunts a lot of the old, like, you know, there was the famous kind of wall in Silver Lake mm-hmm. that I think has now been turn, turn, torn down and like turned into like a fancy bespoke pizzeria, which is sad <laughs> and like-
0: Which one is that? Is bar that the, which... where you
1: go to on Tinder dates or whatever. There
0: is a, There is there's a couple of murals.
1: No, it's like the Smith Wall. That's um, it's on. It was on Sunset, and I don't think it's there anymore. It's now been literally taken apart and put inside some like the restaurant that bought the. It was a whole thing when it happened. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But it's funny because all that stuff is now being kind of like taken down and and um, you know, taken apart and like I said, put inside these like places or made into something else when. You know, it's almost like that kind of generation is kind of moving on or moving out as these yeah. like neighborhoods change and these younger people kind of move in. Um, but I was curious. I'm like, I I don't know. This you you really wanted to do this episode. Yeah,
0: I, I, I don't know I don't know really exactly what it was that really grabbed me about this because like you said, I am not an Elliott Smith fan. Um, in fact, I really viscerally um, am not a singer. Actually, you know what? That's not true. I do like a lot of what you could call singer-songwriter guys, but it's like John Renburn and stuff like that. It's not, you know, nothing I think of any sort of recent vintage. Um, but I think too also like, you know, I've, I've had some... Some prominent people in my life uh you know my like my mother uh commit suicide, and there is a certain like sort of perverse fascination, not even fascination I have with it, but something that draws me to people's suicides um you know like uh you know if you like poetry, you got a lot of guys to choose from um most of the main good ones did end up killing themselves, and you know it's ditto with a lot of musicians too um I think everybody's suicide is in their own way, like a monument to their own misery, like a a spotlight being up to tell the world that they couldn't hack it, and a very clear statement that they'd rather be dead than doing whatever they were doing, Um, which I get, you know? I don't believe in it. And I think it's every time I know someone who's committed suicide, I've always been like, that was a pretty fucking stupid thing to do. But I have seen people at, uh, at, at pretty low points in their lives. In fact, I've experienced many low points in my own life. And, uh, sometimes people who possess, uh, such a lowness cannot, kind of imagine themselves hacking their way out of it? And, uh, And choose to die rather than beat themselves beat beat it out of themselves um it's not a choice i would make but it's uh it's you know it it is it is something that a lot of people do um in fact i think it's the stupidest kind of common thing that people do um because you know generally no matter what is happening to you at that moment it's never always going to be that the same exact way uh for the rest of your life um but i've also had you know like this story has a lot of this in it too um I've been pretty broken up uh, in my life by drugs. Um, I've been v- brought down to my knees by them, I guess you could say, too. All that shit. Um, you know, dope sickness, missing dope efforts, gone, being insane, uh, torturing yourself internally, The sort of like weird nebulous hatred you have for everything, really thick sadness and, uh, and total misery. And it's really, like you were saying earlier, it's not as romantic as people think. Uh, in fact, when you're in it, it's not romantic whatsoever. Uh, it, 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 it is... Nothing like, you know, the Lou Reed songs or the fucking, uh, William Burroughs books or anything like that. Like it is, it is, it is horrible. Um, and I, and I think I can see how breaking that spell of misery, uh, with, with what melodramatic types like, like Elliot Smith would consider the ultimate romantic act, which is literally piercing his own heart could at least cap off a lifetime of pain with a little bit of poetry. Like we were saying earlier too, death is not usually poetic and it doesn't really matter what your intentions or your methods are. Um, if it was, you probably would not shit and piss yourself when you die. And I think that image too of like shitting and pissing yourself, uh, you know, matters too because that is something that that happens when you die and you are gone, you're out of there. You don't have to deal with it whatsoever, but everybody else or at least the person around you has to clean that up. And I think, too, is that when you do a podcast, like the podcast that we are doing right now, and I didn't, I'm i sorry, I apologize if this is getting a little meta for people. Um, everybody really wants you to have a clear narrative, and they want you to sum up what you think or what you've read and put a little bow on it and have it done with, cooked, out of it, you know, an hour, sum it all up, maybe a couple episodes, who knows. Um, And I get that. That is also what I want. That's what we want. It makes a good fucking narrative. It makes a good podcast episode. I think more than anybody that the three of us probably want that too. And so when I started looking into this, uh, I figured, look, she did it. It's plain, you know, Jennifer Chiba's guilty. This will make a good episode. And like I was saying, I fully believe that for a little bit. Um, But I spent basically all of my time since then talking to people about this and trying to get my head straight around it talked to several doctors. I've gone over the autopsy report with someone who worked in the LA morgue. I've talked to people who are like, you know, uh, who know about the sort of drug treatments that he was in. I've talked to people that knew Elliot Smith. Um, I even listened to Elliot Smith for the first time on purpose. I've read and reread everything I could get on the subject. And quite frankly, I do not have an answer for you. Neither does Liz. None of us do. I don't know what happened there in that apartment. And only Jennifer Chiba and Elliot Smith know. So when he had an autopsy, the pathologist at the L.A. morgue made a coronal cut uh, and peeled the skin back from Elliot Smith's chest and examined his heart. Uh, She went over Smith's entire body, cataloging his scars, his tattoo, his stubble, his balding. The two detectives assigned to the case stood there the entire time watching her mutter Latin words for body parts into her tape recorder, while his body stunk and their whole room stunk, and I'm sure the entire place stunk. So the L.A. city morgue gets about 500 bodies a day, there's a section for babies. There's a section for celebrities, which is actually apparently where the only camera is. Uh, and, uh, and there's a section for everybody else. There aren't any chairs in the sort of room that Smith was examining either. So these detectives stood there, the two detectives that were assigned to the case, waiting hours, watching all of this, because they wanted to know what happened. And they wanted to go out and arrest Jennifer Chippa. I sat in front of the computer for 15 hours yesterday in all the hours and the days before because I also wanted to know what happened and I consumed everything I could. I read, I made phone calls, and at the end of it, we don't know. People will be angry that we don't know, and I get that, but we don't know. And they that's why these two detectives make an arresting image for me. They didn't have the freedom of certainty that comes with knowing of that stuff. For me, that freedom is something that I crave absolutely, with every part of me. And for me, that certainty I desire so insanely is a beam with which I will illuminate and blind and punish my enemies. But that isn't here, and uh, and I think it I think it'd be kind of bullshit to give you guys uh, false uh, false lights to light your way with. So uh, thank you, uh, and uh, please do not kill yourself. I'm really excited for our next uh, series, which is going to be on how good Kiss is. <laughs> and even Ace Freely's solo work, including especially Freely's Comet, is fantastic and should rank up with anything else in the Kiss canon. Do
1: you like ABBA? Uh, yeah, I like ABBA, all right?
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: I get you I, I, my, then. I understand yeah. why you like Kiss if you like ABBA.
0: Yeah, I like pop music.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a
0: thing, and I like a good pop song. Um, I just
1: don't like Kiss. I just think they're kind of grossy. Uh, no, they're. Not, I mean, no. I don't it's like not, the it's face. Like, I really don't like the tongue.
0: Obviously. It, I oh well, you're probably the first lady in history to say that about Gene because uh, <clears> people love it. Uh, a little side note here. Yeah, um, just keep your eyes closed. Peter Chris from Kiss. Once, uh, once a, Wait, once a Chris guy,
1: from Kiss.
0: I listen. He's the worst member. Everybody knows it. It's the cat guy. Just anyway, himself.
1: Oh, he was the cat guy. At
0: one point, there was a guy I think in the '90s it's doing the Mike talk Peter show Chris. circuit in LA, being like, "I'm Peter Chris. I live under a bridge in Los Angeles because I don't have any money anymore." But it was just a guy pretending to be Peter Chris, be a mm. homeless Peter Chris, mm. uh, and he eventually had to come out and be like, "I live in like a mansion in Iowa."
1: Do you think, how many uh, times do you think he was like, <laughs> but what if we called the band Chris?
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I uh, bet he made that joke a lot. Also has the worst solo records out of any of them. Um, I, always, yeah. well, I
1: always kind of felt bad for the cat guy.
0: You, you should. He's a piece of shit. Anyways. I'm Liz. I'm Brace. We are joined, of course, by producer Young Chomsky.
1: The podcast is true and on, and we will see you next time. Bye bye. Jeff,